I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Hey, welcome to your Friday Rugby Weekly podcast. Kieran Kennedy here, ahead of another weekend of Six Nations action. And the big team news of the week is that Murray Kinsler is back in action, having sat out the opening two rounds. Murray, it's been great to have you back. How's the week been for you? It's been great to be back in the thick of it. It was, as I was saying to Birch when we chatted on Monday, it was so weird watching from afar on the Friday night of the opening weekend of, of the Six Nations, Ireland in Marseille for a massive game. And there I was planted on the on the couch. Um, but yeah, into it now. And it's really nice to join at a time when Ireland's momentum is right back up there, isn't it? And the mood is great and everyone's happy and they're winning again. And there's a lot of excitement, even with a lot of expectation that they'll have a big win tomorrow. But I have to say now, I missed you guys. You did a brilliant job, but I am very glad to be back. How are you getting on? Yeah, all good. It's been it's been a little sad having an empty seat beside me at some of the games and some of the press conferences. So <laughs> it's been great having you back this week. Um, but like you say, it's just been such an exciting opening couple of rounds for Ireland and the mood is so good and everything is so positive. And we'll get into that a little bit because you were out with Peter O'Mahony at the captain's run today. You were out with Andy Farrell at the Aviva Stadium yesterday. I was out with the Welsh camp this morning and it's it's a very different feel, but um, getting a taxi to and from UCD, the two taxi drivers I had were were very enthusiastic about the weekend and how they've built their Saturday around getting to watch Ireland against Wales and expecting to see a really exciting Ireland performance again. And there's just so much confidence around the place with this Irish team, but there's certainly not the, that's not the vibe you get when you spend a bit of time out with the Welch camp. Um, how did you get on with Peter O'Mahony today? He was in great form, really great form. He's definitely embraced the media side of things more as he's kind of got to now that he's the captain and definitely has to do one press conference a week here. I think people have seen him over the years. He, he can had tended to maybe be a bit gruff in, in that setting at times and might side a few of the questions, which he, he still will when he, when he doesn't like it. But definitely showed a bit of humour today. You can see he's quite relaxed in the, the role as well. He did at one stage, someone asked him what it would mean to him to captain Ireland to a, a Grand Slam and he just paused and then went, oh, Jesus. But he was smiling at the same time and, yeah, he, sp- he spoke really well about things like, you know, just taking on that role, uh, a bit about his future, etc., which you'll read o- over the next 24 hours on, on the 42. But he kind of had the same, I suppose, mindset as, as Andy Farrell. They're relaxed, they feel they're prepared well. They know they're playing cracking rugby, and while we can acknowledge that France certainly were at their best on on the opening weekend, that Italy were poor in Dublin, a lot of that was because of how well Ireland played and limited the the chances for those teams to get into the game with their brilliant line-out defence, with their excellent kicking. And then the Ireland attack is just humming again. And it's so exciting to watch. I think people have spoken a lot about the atmosphere in, in the Viva for the Italy game, but... When Ireland got flowing, you could sense the excitement and the the joy people were deriving from that. And the the best thing is there's loads left in there. There's loads of bits they haven't done right yet. And and they're all the kind of messages that are kind of filtering out through those those guys. Andy Farrell, I mean, he's always enjoyable to chat to these days. He was speaking yesterday about the the story that is Ali Yeager and and he's going to be the sixth new Six Nations debutant for, for Ireland this championship already, you know. 
while there was no there was chat about you know they should have had more uncapped players there have been opportunities for new faces in a six nations context and this is the biggest tournament year on year for Ireland this is the biggest deal for for Ireland's test rugby every single year and to have six new new players in, involved is is positive for the development of, of the squad some of those guys have been around for a while but Ali Yeager certainly has not He's six games into his time at Munster and only months in the country, really, and still settling in, I would imagine, but now gets his chance for an international debut. I remember meeting him in 2016 down in Christchurch in the Crusaders training building that they share with with Canterbury, the provincial side. He was still playing for them at that stage and he had ambitions of of just getting into Super Rugby, really. Scott Robertson, who is now the All Blacks coach, he told me at the time that he felt Jaeger could play for the All Blacks and that was his dream for a while and he, he chased that and, and didn't quite get there. But now he's got the opportunity with Ireland. Andy Farrell said he met Jaeger down in New Zealand in 2002 when Ireland were on tour there. But uh, th- he was still quite happy with where he was and he signed a new deal with the Crusaders. But things have, have changed and Ireland didn't close that door and, and now they've kind of got their man in and... He's done well with Munster early on. He's come from a really high-performing environment, obviously, with the Crusaders, and he's you know, had some big games there. Started a Super Rugby final just last year and did really well in, in that game and, and a few other notable occasions. And I think they've been really impressed with him in camp as, as well. It was initially as a kind of training player, an additional body, and, and just to have a closer look at him. But he's, he's really impressed him, and he went away last weekend, and I know it wasn't the biggest highest profile game but he was excellent for Munster kind of putting into practice some of the stuff they'd discussed with him and that they'd worked on with him he was really square into contact got his nose kind of through tackles at times and over the gain line he, he made a couple of link passes that it, it, that's something he does really well and he's quite mobile for such a big lad and he scrummaged well as well and he's quite a mobile defender on top of that as as well so there's lots of bits to like there's still lots to prove from I guess and it is it is an opportunity in, in that sense, but yeah, clearly Ireland feel he can he can really add to that depth chart at, at Tidehead. So exciting to see how he goes. And it's good for Ireland to have those fresher faces. I know Jaeger is 28, but to have those fresher faces getting chances. So yeah, yeah, all good in, in Ireland camp, all positive. How did you get on with the Welsh? Pretty subdued, to be honest. Um, yeah, a bit of a different vibe. There was... The coaches seemed pretty relaxed. They were kind of cracking a few jokes and humming a few tunes to themselves. But once the players came out, they just ran through a couple of drills. Um, sometimes you get the odd little nugget watching this little vision access portion that we're allowed to watch. But um, there wasn't too much today. They kind of frustratingly went down to the far side of the pitch for most of it. But Bundyaki's name was getting a bit of a mention as they ran through a couple of carrying drills. So um, maybe that's, that's something. But um, otherwise, just even chatting to... The small amount of Welsh media that were there and a couple of people around the place, like expectations are, are really low from the Welsh side of things. Um, it sounds like the players themselves have been pretty frustrated not to take more from the two games against Scotland and England. I think England is a game that they really feel they just let slip away from them a little bit. They felt there was an opportunity there in Twickenham, but I think there's a bit of an acknowledgement that this week they're really up against it. And if you were to look at one game, I suppose, in this championship overall, that Wales wouldn't really be expecting to get something from. It's probably Ireland in Dublin. Um, but that said, you know, Warren Gatland, there's always, there's always a chance with a Warren Gatland-Wales team. And 
he was kind of he was quiet enough during training today. He kind of just had the hood up, was watching things from a distance. Um, he spoke to uh Thomas Williams a little bit afterwards, and he was kind of talking up how Gatland is able to motivate young players and and the potential in this team. But I definitely got the sense that there's the expectations not too high from the Welsh side of things this time around, which is strange because you know Wales are always such a such a confident team. They always travel with such with uh, high hopes and they've caused Ireland problems before obviously in Dublin um, but yeah a bit of a different feel around things today with the Welsh camp I thought Yeah seems like Gats has done his talking already hasn't it he, I, I read his Telegraph column and it's great stuff as always it's just <laughs> every time I read it I'm thinking wow this is a current international coach talking about the game that's literally on tomorrow and he says he's more pumped than he can remember being. He says he's got a plan. It's going to focus around Kieran Frawley. As you would expect, he said he's going to, or others in his camp have said they're going to cause a bit of chaos as much as they can and, and pressure some of those Irish individuals and not let them have it their way, which is all absolutely bog-standard stuff, but not always said openly in the media. So I'm excited to see what they can throw at Ireland. There's zero pressure on their shoulders. They're major underdogs. What is it, 22, 23-point margin with the bookies? which is so jarring still with an Ireland-Wales game. I've grown up with these games being absolute battles with Gatlin's-Wales teams winning Grand Slams and being really difficult to beat, so it, it takes some getting used to. I think the, the record margin was 44 points back in 2002, which is a, a hell of a long time ago, but Ireland are strongly fancied, so Wales are going to have to throw an absolute onslaught at them. That was something that Peter Manny was talking about. He was asked if this is a potential banana skin, and he said that, term is disrespectful because Wales grow another couple of inches and put on another few kg all of a sudden when they're wearing a Wales jersey that it, it brings out the best in them and you'd expect that bit of fight wouldn't you you'd expect it to be a, a real tussle and contest with Tommy Reffel and and a few others all over that Irish ball and and they'll again Ireland will have their own methods of, of going about negating that uh, threat from from the Welsh so I, yeah, I, I, while Ireland are favourites and while I'm the same as everyone else and expecting them to win and continue that that Grand Slam tilt, I'm really hopeful that there be hiccups for them, that there be pressures that they haven't quite had yet, that there might even be a big setback that puts them in a in a in a tough spot. And we know that they've handled those kind of things in the past, but yeah, it's engaging and and entertaining when that happens. And if it's all plain sailing, it it's a little bit dull, but I don't think they'll get that against this Welsh team. Yeah, the, the Ireland team was obviously announced yesterday and I think we've spoken about and written about Kieran Frawley at full-back enough during the week, but I did want to ask you about the, the 6-2 bench split because I think that's quite interesting because I thought we might see it again after the France match, but I probably didn't expect it to be brought back this week for Wales. And, and actually watching Wales train this morning, one thing that did strike me is they're really not the biggest bunch. They actually kind of... When you, if you take a side like the likes of George North, they they're not too dissimilar to a big twenties team, um, they're young, they're they're not the biggest team around, so that six two bench split, it it could be a real point of difference for Ireland. I think this weekend, were you surprised that Andy Farrell went with that again? Well, not hugely because there's such strength to pick there when they have really good forwards to to call on when Ryan Baird clearly has taken another step up and and added to that impression in the Italy game, I thought, and even coming off the bench against France, 
so hard to leave him out. Jack Conan's so good. James Ryan's so good as a second row. And you've got your three front row slots as well. It, ju- it just makes sense. I know there's potential drawbacks to it, of course. There's always there's a risk with any selection, any way you go. And injuries in the back line and, and the lack of a, an out-and-out wing, say, to or someone who plays there regularly to, to cover the two starters in that regard is, is maybe an issue. But then Gibson Park, he's done a great job there very recently for Ireland and, and we know that he can do that role. And I wouldn't be shocked if others have spent time in, in different positions across the back line just to, to make sure. So they usually have these bases covered and I think the the pop you get from that crop of forwards off the bench is, is really exciting. And, and Jaeger looked to be part of that. Ronan Kelleher, I think, has looked good as well in, in terms of his impact. And yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. As you mentioned, particularly with the profile of the Welsh squad, you, you would imagine that Ireland's might up front will just be too much for them and that they won't be able to get parity there. That would be my expectation. And the Irish back are in really good form. You had a brilliant piece about Ty Byrne during the week and his performance in in, Fra- in in Paris. I watched that game again this week and it's even better, his performance, as you know, having gone through it again. It is a 10 out of 10 performance. It, it's virtual perfection, which is so rare in a rugby pitch. It was... A, I mean, scandal is a strong word, but it's crazy that he didn't get to play here the match award. And obviously there's a bit of sentimentality or what's the right word? A bit of, I suppose, newcomer bias in that with, with Joe McCarty. But Byrne was utterly phenomenal. The back rows are playing well. And I think Tyke Furlong, almost quietly under the radar, is, is back looking physically near his best. Sheehan as well. I've loved the defensive impact he's now adding to his game chatting to him during the week that's something that he's put a focus on and it's been really evident I think he's absolutely hurting people in the tackle close to the rook he he tends to tackle quite upright because he's a tall guy but he's generating a lot of force into those moments and when he's already such a good attacking weapon when he's throwing beautifully at the moment he's really threading those balls nicely at the line out he's just become a complete player so there's a hell of a lot to be excited about up front with with those guys come off the bench too yeah, the burn one is interesting because I probably didn't realise just how good he was until I watched that match back. I knew he was obviously good on the night, but when I watched it back, he just didn't really put a foot wrong. And it was a pretty complete performance from from a second row. But just since we haven't spoken to you after the, the first two matches, what have you made of how Joe McCarthy has come into the team and the impact he's made? Yeah, he's just continued where he's been with, with with Leinster in particular and even at the World Cup he was a a really rising force there and and obviously he ended up playing against New Zealand in the quarter final but they strongly considered even using him a, a bit more in the in the tournament because he was so good in training he's just he's such a, a physical specimen but he is smart too he, he applies himself well I know that people have sometimes had concerns over his discipline, but he plays right to the edge and that's what they want from him and they want a, a great balance there, of course, but that shithousery and that nuisance factor is an important part of, of his approach. I think he's done most things well. He, he Even the t- few times he's been in the middle of those forward pods and, and been asked to pass, he's done that smoothly. He's tackled well. He's jumped actually well in the, in the line out a couple of times, particularly in the French game where I don't think they were, probably were expecting that and given that he's the kind of heavier of the, the jumping options. So really he's done well. And his dynamism with the carry close to the ruck is really important. Every team needs those guys who can generate front foot, quick ball. 
and he does that really well. His timing of his runs, again, it shows his smarts, is, is excellent. Obviously, he's big and powerful, but he picks out space well. He doesn't get around the corner too early. He comes and pops up late. And a la Leinster, they're actually even using him as a bit of a strike runner second, third phase on some of their, their line-out plays, which is just so exciting to have a second row who you can use in, in that role. There, there aren't many of them. Will Skelton's one of them. There's a couple other big guys who... who you look for those kind of one-on-ones or even one-on-twos on second and third phase and, and they get you over the gain line. So that's been exciting. And that, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, to get newer faces in the team has been in great for Ireland. And generally they've done really well. I think Calvin Nash has been excellent in, in what he's done in a little bit of a less flashy way, but venomous in the carry and tackle when he's been called on to do that and, and definitely starting to roam and, and get more comfortable in, in that aspect. And Crowley, I think, has been... Obviously, it's been much discussed, but he's been really good. Obviously, a nice sprinkling of errors in there, but every single player in the Ireland team has a nice sprinkling of errors, but they're just kind of overlooked because we know that those players are proven top class. And, and um, yeah, he's he's been really enjoyable to watch. Even the way he attacked against Italy, uh, some of the decision-making, the delay on his pass is, is really nice. And I still think there's loads of upside with with him and loads that can can, can improve. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a strong Irish 23 again. What did you make of, of Gatlin's selection? I suppose very settled, but Sam Costello coming back in at, at out half. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And like, just when you look through that Wales team, it, it's the inexperience that just, like, you, you can't look past it. You've got Cameron Winnett at fullback. He's going to win his, his third test cap. Costello, as you say, is coming back in. This will be his 10th test cap. Um, Things didn't go great for him in the Scotland game. Um, they backed him to come in and kind of step up at a performance here. There's a lot of inexperience in that pack as well. Um, Kieran Azavarati is on four caps. Alex Mann is on two caps. Uh, I, I find it hard to see any scenario where Wales can really, really trouble Ireland tomorrow, to be honest. Tommy Rafael, obviously, at, in the back row, has been the one who's um, stood out across the first couple of games. Just a really dangerous aggressive ball carrier he's got a real attack and threat there he's a bit of a nuisance around the breakdown as well but otherwise you're just looking for you're looking for huge performances from the established guys really aren't you you want a big game from Adam Beard in the second row you want a big game from Tomas Williams a scrum half Um, you want to see George North at his destructive best but but even then I think it's asking a lot for these guys who are so inexperienced to come to Dublin against an Irish team who just don't really lose at home anymore and and deliver but the other side of that is like you said earlier it's almost a free shot for them you know go play your game take a few chances and see see where it gets you and I suppose that's the exciting thing from a Welsh point of view if you're trying to if you're trying to envision a scenario where they can cause an upset tomorrow but I, I don't see it happening we've seen Ireland get a bonus point win in France we've seen them get a bonus point win at home against Italy do you think we're going to see a bonus point win again tomorrow? I do, I do. I'm interested to see, and, and you're you're so right there, and that that inexperienced edge makes me doubt that even with the Frawley thing, that they may be able to put him into the most stressed and stressful situations. Like, undoubtedly, they'll hang a few high ones on him and, and test him that way, but if you had had a Dan Bigger there, who, who if he hadn't retired from test rugby, who has experience of you know, having the ball on a string and making a fullback or a backfield defender really work and sprint, sprint, sprint and have that 
uh, endurance for for speed efforts that Hugo Keenan, for example, has more than anyone really in the in the game. That's where you really test them and and constantly challenging their focus and their concentration and their awareness of where other people in their their team are. Can Costello do that? Can Yoan Lloyd do it when he comes off the the bench? Maybe with Thomas with Thomas Williams there at, at nine, they can they can try and do that, but. I, I just don't know, and that's that's plenty about this West team is you just don't know exactly where it's going to end up. I think there's clear potential with quite a few of those guys that you mentioned, but it's a it's a work in progress, and it's no coincidence really that Gats has been even more vocal this week, uh, even discussing the issues in in Welsh rugby and his concerns over whether there's actually progress being made there. That's no accident, and yeah, I do I do expect Ireland to win well. Yeah, we'll just touch on the other two games quickly because we're under a little bit of time pressure. Scotland against England is up at quarter to five tomorrow. Interesting enough, England team, Danny Kerr and Ollie Lawrence both coming back and, and Freddie Stewart out, uh, George Furbank coming back in at fullback. Um, three changes for Scotland as well. Blair Kinghorn is back. Uh, so too Kyle Stain and Jamie Ritchie. Like Scotland obviously are going to be still sore and hurting from the, the manner in which they lost that France game, England going up to Edinburgh looking to keep their own Grand Slam ambitions alive. How do you see this one going tomorrow? Really finding this one tough to call. The England selection is really exciting, I think, at fullback to have Furbank in there, having played brilliant rugby for Northampton, defending well, he's stronger physically, he has lovely attacking touches, as you would expect from a guy who has played out half a bit and I think that's a really exciting selection Stewart obviously amazing under the high ball big physical guy but probably doesn't have those intuitive touches that, that Furbank has and then opposite him Kinghorn back in with his rangy running game as well adds even more to the attacking threat that the, the Scots pose so I'd hope to see a fair bit of that both obviously both these teams do love a, a kick and, and Scotland quite similar to Ireland actually uh, have been really good in that aspect of actually gaining territory and winning territory with long kicking from from Finn Russell but there's plenty of potent attacking weapons on, on both sides of the coin and I'm kind of hoping that England win because then it just adds to the occasion that Ireland, England and Twickenham might be with both teams potentially going into that unbeaten I think it would be a really fun thing to have with Felix Jones factor etc as well so that's probably my, my hope but the Scots have delivered flurries and patches of of excellent rugby in this in this championship they really need it to be a more complete and sustained effort really if they're gonna if they're gonna win this one yeah um Scotland's attack is they're a better attacking unit at the moment aren't they I thought England's attack was just so blunt and disappointing against Wales and the thing we're looking to see with England I guess is how that Felix Jones defensive system continues to take shape over the next couple of weeks um, I don't think I can bring myself to say that I hope England win, um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'd never trust Scotland to go to go and do the job. Um, I think Scotland will edge it, but I can also mm. see it be a bit of a tight enough, ugly game tomorrow. Um, Sunday then we've got France against Italy. France obviously been a bit all over the place in this Six Nations, and then Italy things went horribly for them in Dublin the last day. Um, maybe the most interesting thing here is with the two changes for France you've got Solo Tuolagi in for his first test start yeah another big second row that you use as a bit of a strike weapon and who has great potential but 
it's still so early for him, isn't it? And he's almost been sprung into this important role or being seen as a bit of a kind of, not a saviour, but a, a, a player who can give this team a, a real kickstart because it has been a bit lethargic and distracted looking from, from France so far and they're trying to find their feet in the wake of a big World Cup disappointment and they definitely haven't been smooth so far and the whole atmosphere around it in France is definitely not great and you can sense from the players even a bit of frustration. Thomas Ramos talking about you know how they want to have the shackles released a little bit. So they're in a strange enough spot but there's still so much talent in, in that team. I'm looking at the team sheet in front of me with Tuilagi in there, with Boudahon in the, the back row, who's, who's been really abrasive when, when he's played over the last couple of seasons, really. And then you would just think that Jalibert and Luku haven't had really kind of up and down experiences in the first couple of games will will be closer to finding their feet and finding their rhythm. And that's quite irresistible when they when they get it. Louis Bielbiere scoring a brilliant try last time to to win the game, essentially, against the the Scots. Um, that was great to see as well because he is a really quick and dangerous and exciting and fun player when when he gets that kind of opportunity and that kind of space to to go after. So while I haven't been convinced by France and I'm not sure exactly how things are going to pan out for them, even today I saw Ilto Daffid, one of the friends of the pod, reporting that Galtier went on a bit of a nine-minute kind of um, rant or, or whatever, just kind of talking about nothing really at their press conference today. So I think he's in a, a strange spot himself. I do think they should have too much for this Italy team. What, what's your sense of this one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, France, they've just looked, like you say, lethargic and a bit disinterested. But at home, I know that they're in Lille as this kind of tour of France continues for them. So um, new surroundings for them again. But if they turn up with any kind of performance at home, you'd have to fancy them to beat Italy. I thought Italy were really disappointing against mm. Ireland. Even though I know Ireland were very good in the day, they just didn't really fire a shot. Their attack never really got going and it's hard to envision them lifting themselves enough to be in a position to go and win away in France off the back of that performance. So I would be fancying France to win to win this one. Um, but look, hopefully it's just a good weekend of Six Nations rugby because I thought round two was pretty flat and disappointing. But yeah. when you when you look at the matchups this week, maybe it's going to be a bit more competitive and a bit more exciting. We are due some good rugby. That second round was poor enough, you know, viewing. And then last weekend's URC stuff for the province was a fairly miserable watch across the board, really. Some nice moments in there, some good individual performances. But I feel like we all are owed an excellent weekend of rugby. So here's hoping. That's a good enough place to leave it. Um, there's three of us at the Aviva tomorrow. You and me will both be there and we've got Gav coming up on the train from Cork. So we'll have plenty of coverage from Aviva Stadium throughout the day and we'll have a post-match podcast, of course, afterwards as well. So uh, until then, we'll chat to you then and enjoy the weekend. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Try to stop names for this beautiful barrel.